We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey guys, and welcome to our new weekly sports card investing show. Uh, I'm your host, Simon Edwards, and I'm joined today by Brennan Ruby and Josh Wysocki, both uh, Roto-Grinders contributors. Um, and I want to remind you that our show is sponsored by sportscardinvestor.com, uh, where we're currently offering 20% off uh, your first payment for all plans with when you uh, sign up for a subscription there using the uh, the promo code grinders so uh introduce you to the host real quick uh brennan wants you uh tell the audience a little bit about your background in uh in sports cards and roto grinders sure yeah i started working for roto grinders at the beginning of last nfl season so about a year now and uh i have been mostly behind the scenes uh pulling data out of the results database and, and providing some some data and some charts for some of the, the contributors for the nfl season here um, we're gearing up for MLB season. Obviously, it's not hit us yet, but uh, I've been a longtime DFS player uh, for over eight years. And uh, when my wife and I found out that we were having a kid in October of 2019, I decided that the daily grind of DFS was probably not going to be feasible uh, given that change in lifestyle. And so I, I found, tried to find something that would fill that gap in sports card uh, collecting and investing really does that because you get to invest in, you know, the same kind of players and, and you get to analyze their performances and different things and their values, much like in DFS, but, uh, uh, on a much more flexible time frame. So that it's been a huge win for me. And, 
you know, after several months, almost a year now of, of sports card investing, I think it's a, a really good supplement and replacement for DFS if DFS is kind of a little bit too busy for you uh, in your current situation. Cool. Uh, Josh, you want to tell us a little bit about your background? Yep. Uh, I've actually been a member of RG since about 2012. Um, a year or so after I joined RG, I actually started doing content. Um, started off uh, with some MLB articles, you know, weekend type stuff. Uh, moved on to NBA content. Um, again, just articles, um, uh, how-tos, things like that. Um, then transitioned into the projections team. I did weekend projections for at least two years, maybe three. Um, but it's been two years or so since I've done that. Um, similar to Brennan, uh, wife, kids, uh, makes it a lot harder to be at a screen for NBA lock. Um, so I've kind of, you know, had to distance myself from DFS just, you know, been, it, it's a losing uh, situation when you're trying to, you know, manage kids and a family and have to, you know, be at a computer screen. So, um, but yeah, the sports card industry has been booming. I got back back into it about late October, early November, um, and it has consumed a lot of my time. But you know, it's not like DFS where you have to be at a screen at a certain time. It's it's more manageable and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, one of the best parts about uh, sports card investing versus DFS is there's no timetable. You're you're on your own time. Uh, you can scan around eBay anytime you want to search for uh, the cards and the and the uh, prices that you're looking for. And it's it's a great way to um, stay involved with with uh, profiting on on sports um, without having that that DFS you know the DFS uh, schedule to, to grind to. Um, yeah. There's no time limit or time crunch or anything like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, these days, most of the sports card market is made on eBay, depending on, uh, different types of auction sales or, or, uh, uh, buy it now, uh, buy it now posted prices posted by people. So, one of the difficult things to do is figure out the value of cards, uh, with, with everybody. It's, it's kind of like the wild west on, on eBay a little bit. Uh, people can, uh, set any price that they want for their cards and it's all a matter of people are going to buy it or not. And auctions, you never know what's going to happen in an auction. Uh, they could go haywire and, uh, price a card significantly more than it's worth or it could do the opposite and price it significantly under the market. So a good thing to know is uh, what the most recent sales have been and uh, use that to kind of guide you towards figuring out what the value of an actual card is. And one of the uh, the ways that we do that is with uh, with the market movers tool over on sportscardinvestor.com. Um, they have some great uh, tools that you can use to make sure that you're paying the right price for your cards. But let's talk about uh, eBay a little bit and the eBay uh, marketplace. And, uh, Brendan, why don't you start off and, uh, give us a little bit of the process of how you buy a sports card these days. Sure. Yeah. E- spending time on eBay and learning that app or, or that website if you're at the desktop is important when starting to invest and, and collect cards because you'll notice that, 
Uh, there's a lot of different nuances that you might not think about. For instance, uh, because the person listing the card is responsible for putting the title together, um, everyone kind of can call things differently. Um, so, for instance, if you're looking for uh, a 2019 Prism card, if you just type in Prism Luca or Prism Doncic, uh, you'll get a lot of different things. You'll get all the different parallels. Uh, some other brands of cards have parallels called prisms. And so uh, learning how to search efficiently is is really the first thing I had to do when I started out on eBay. And, and what I found is there's a nice balance between being uh, vague and being very specific. And so, uh, you know, if I'm looking for a Luka Doncic rookie card, uh, unless I want to get tens of thousands of, of entries, um, I typically will look at a brand or a couple of brands that I like first. And so I might say uh, rookie Luka Doncic prism. And type it in. And if I want something that's PSA graded, I'll throw PSA in the search as well. Uh, and you'll have to know that sometimes you'll get things that don't apply. But if you're too specific, you're going to miss out on some listings and potentially good deals. And so getting a getting a feel for how to search on eBay is, is kind of an art. And uh, it's one that you'll have to, you know, kind of get used to. The nice thing is once you find a search that you like, you can actually save it on eBay. So once you have a search that you like, you can save it. And you can go back to that same search anytime you want just by clicking on it in the options. So I think for anyone to get started on eBay, um, step number one is going to be learning how to search for what you want and making sure you're getting uh, a good amount of, of results, but not too many so that you're you're kind of overloading your feed with with uh, listings. Yeah, and a uh, couple different ways that people list on, on eBay are either auctions, which last several days, so... If you're watching a card on an auction, there's no guarantee that you're going to get the price that you want on it. And, you know, it could waste valuable time, especially if you see something in a buy it now that's price pretty close to what you're, what you're looking for. And you can just buy it then. You're taking a gamble on auctions when you're, when you're trying to get a, a price lower than, than what you see listed in the buy it nows. Um, Josh, why don't you talk a little bit uh, about the differences between buy it now and and auction on eBay? Um, yeah, uh, auction. You know, there's a there's a set time. Um, I think it's one, three, seven, ten days where you know there's an end stop to the auction, and the highest bidder you know is going to win the item. Usually, you know, it'll gradually work its way up, and then the last minute, thirty seconds. You know, if you have a lot of watchers on the item, it's the price is going to skyrocket. Um, buy it now is, you know, somebody just sets a price and, you know, you can just buy it. Um, another thing that's pretty common with buy it now is um, people will accept offers. Um, I am constantly looking at those type of sales. Um I don't want to say, well, I guess I'm, I'm going to say low ball, but I'm frequently like, don't be afraid to low ball. Um, you know, you're not, you don't know what somebody's willing to take for a card. And, and a lot of times they're listing the buy it now price at something too high anyways. Um, so don't be afraid to, you know, offer less, a little less than what you think would be fair because you might get a good deal on it. Yeah. That's uh, definitely a good point because uh, make me an offer. It kind of tells you that they're not confident in the uh, buy it now price that they've listed. Yeah. So it's a good opportunity to try to get some more value uh, on a card that you're that you're buying. Uh, Brennan, what do you what do you think about that? 
Yeah, no, I, I think Josh uh, hit the nail on the head. Uh, one thing that I do try to do when giving out offers is to be fair, but also a little bit selfish. There's a nice balance there. Um, you get five shots at an offer. And so if you've offered somebody low and they decline it, you still got more chances, right? So feel out the bottom level for them. And then, you know, you guys can negotiate up from there. Um, I do agree. It, I don't really feel like I'm lowballing, especially when they're overpricing it on buy it now. So I think as long as, as you're reasonable, um, you know, if you're, if you're offering 50% below market value, yeah, you probably won't get a response back. Um, but yeah, just like Josh said, don't be afraid to, to under, under offer initially because they've got a chance to come back. You've got a couple more chances to come back and you'll hopefully land on a price that you are comfortable with. I will say with the market constantly going up day in and day out, which we'll see with the market mover tool here in a, in a minute, a lot of times a good deal is getting fair market value. Whereas in a, a static market, you might be looking for a discount. Um, if you can get something now for, for fair market value, that's a pretty good deal because there's a good chance in, in seven days, it's going to be up 10%. 15% if you're looking at the right people. So um, just understanding the market and understanding kind of the etiquette and the different options you have, I think is important when buying. Um, a lot of time auctions are very competitive. Um, the, the only time I've gotten good prices on auctions is where there's not a lot of action. Maybe it's late at night and people didn't really see it. Maybe the title's wrong on the item. And so it's not hitting a lot of people's searches. Um, auctions are very competitive, especially for high demand cards. Yeah, I going to your point about uh about buy it now. Um I actually saw a Zion uh Prism Silver PSA 10 on eBay a few weeks ago. It was it was listed at about 2300 and I was trying to get it, you know, like uh you know, bid lower on it to about 1700. Uh he came back at me at around uh 2100, but I didn't want to buy it for under uh or for over 2000. So, you know, like I was, I was trying to get him to 2000. I couldn't do it. So I passed on the, uh, on the item. And then lo and behold, a week <laughs> later, it was worth, it's going for like 3000 now. Yeah, it's so that over three been, now. Yeah, ex- exactly. So it would have been like a quick, uh, thousand dollar profit, uh, just by paying that extra hundred bucks. So sometimes it's, it's not that bad to go a little bit over what you're willing to pay, uh, in order to get something that you feel has the potential to, to increase significantly in the, in the near future or even in the, you know, uh, midterm future. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then another common thing is, um, you know, not getting a response at all when you make an offer, you know, that happens all the time or, you know, you make an offer and they counter with an offer that's, you know, a dollar less than their buy it now price, you know, at that point, probably just give up because you're wasting your time. Um, yeah. if you're not going to do the buy it now. Right. Right. And, um, yeah, so, so eBay's, uh, pretty much the best spot to, uh, to find your cards these days. If you're, if you're trying to get packs of cards or, or boxes of cards versus individual cards, uh, eBay is probably, uh, you know, the best place where you're going to find to, to buy those cards. Cause when you're dealing with uh, the Panini website and they have a release, cards will sell out almost instantly. You know, like the, uh, the, the, the sales don't last very long, uh, especially for the popular cards like the prism sets or the, uh, national treasures or whatever. And it's just a flood of people, uh, going onto Panini's site all at the same time, uh, like trying to get the same cards 
So it's very difficult to get it online through the, uh, through the actual, um, producer of the cards. Retail is a similar experience. Uh, when you go to retail to try to, to pick up a new release, it's, it's almost impossible to find, uh, Josh, you had a, you had a little, uh, anecdote about that. You want to, you want to tell, uh, your, your um, story about trying to do that? Yeah, sure. So like I said, I got back into this around October, November, you know, right around the start of NBA season, right when, you know, Zion craze, um, was just going through the roof. Um, uh, the first major release for basketball was NBA Prism. That's like the standard, um, card for, for NBA these days. And, you know, it was selling out instantly. Um, you know, guys lining up, you know, outside Walmarts and Targets, you know, trying to track down the rep that stocks the shelves. Uh, you know, I heard stories of like backdoor deals where the product doesn't even hit the shelf. They just, you know, they, you know, take the whole case from the dealer. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that. It never, never even sees a, sees a shelf. Um, and it's just going to continue. There's, it, it was the same way with NBA optic a few months later. Uh, NBA mosaic is releasing this week. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to, you're going to have to get really lucky to find it in the store just because of Zion. Um, everything is just, Anything NBA is, uh, you know, like gold right now, um, just going through the roof. Yeah, and so it's probably better to, uh, if you're going to try it retail, you want to try to figure out when they're stocking those shelves. And usually it's 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 late at night, um, so you're you're going to have to probably go there right before it closes or something like that, or try to, try to, uh, scout it out and figure out it's, it sounds ridiculous, but this is is what you have to do if you want to buy it at the store. Um, I got, I got super lucky with Prism. I walked into a random Walmart, me and my wife were out shopping. We both had the day off, walked in and the rep must have just left. I found a full stock of Prism and you know, this is one you couldn't find it anywhere. So I just bought the whole display, just bought everything that was there. Um, you know, and optic, you know, I was unable to find optic anywhere. Um, there's a local Walmart that's, you know, two minutes from my work. I was going every day at lunch, sometimes after work too. Um, I kind of figured out because I was going so much. This is insane to even say, I kind of figure out, figured out that the reps stocked on Thursday nights. <laughs> so. I went on a Thursday evening. They hadn't stocked yet. Like, oh, maybe they're not releasing it this week or there's a backlog. I went before work the next day just because I'm insane. And two displays of optic were totally cleared out <laughs> in that time frame. So, um, mosaic is going to be the same exact way. It's already, uh, I, it's been released in Canada. You know, people are buying whole displays right off the shelf okay. in Canada. So. How far in advance did they release it in, in Canada than the U.S.? I, I just started hitting shelves like yesterday or the day before. Um, Interesting. I think next week is when it, we'll start to see it in the States if it hasn't, gotcha. you know, hit some places already. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, one way to do that is you can, uh, you just do an internet search and, and, and see if anybody's posted anything about, uh, purchasing those cards at the store already, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, Brendan, have you had any experiences like that? 
No, so I've um I mainly stick to buying singles and and lots online. But anytime I am at Target, uh, I'll I'll look just in case you know grab a couple packs for for my son and I. And they're not they're just not there. They're not available. I think I've seen Donruss one or two times, yeah. um, which is a lower end brand. Um, but yeah, they're they're in in hot demand right now for sure. And uh, like yeah, unless you're willing to pay almost twice retail on eBay or somewhere like that, um, you really got to feel out your local store to see when they stock and just be consistent. Um, that's gonna be your best bet um, for sure. Two yeah, X retail right now would be a good. Would be a yeah. good deal. Two X, two X retail would be a great deal. Like, yeah, I can sell Prism for five X retail if I yeah. want. If I wanted to, like, you're bit. talking about NBA uh, Prism specifically. Yeah, NBA right? specifically. Anything NBA, you know, it's yeah. just getting bought up. Yeah, I, I went to. Uh, I actually went to Target uh, the other day, and they had the only uh, the only sports cards they had were MLB, and it was the Don Russ that you were talking about. And, um, they had, they had a, uh, the brand of tops that's, that's kind of an illustration. Uh, the cards are, look like they're illustrated almost. You know which ones I'm talking about? Um, I whatever don't. those are, they, yeah, they, they had a box of those. Um, but, you know, like it was, it was slim pickings for trying to find any of the NBA or, or NFL really, uh, cards to, uh, uh, to, to pick up some packs. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, the, the current situation we're in where you go to the grocery store and you're trying to find toilet paper. <laughs> so the same strategy yeah. that you have to use to try to figure out when they're going to stock toilet paper, make sure you're in there before everybody else or, or, you know, like, uh, before closing when they're stocking or whatever and try to, try to pick it up. You got to use that mentality when you're trying to pick up these cards. Yeah. So let's see. Um, so going back to, uh, to eBay and buying, uh, single cards, one of the ways that they make cards scarcer these days is to add, uh, uh, add grading to it. Uh, grading has been around forever, but grading is one of the best ways to take a card with a high population and, and, and make it a little more scarce and, and improve the, uh, the value of that card. Um, and grading is when you send your card to, you know, like there's a few different places where you can send it to PSA, uh, Beckett and, uh, uh what was the other one, Josh? SG... SGC is kind of the third one that yeah. seems to be, that's, you know, making a run up. Yeah. Is that, is that, that's a, that's a more, more recent one. I think or, they've or been around. I think they've been around for a while, mostly vintage stuff, but, um, yeah they're becoming more popular with modern cards too. Gotcha. So, so you basically send your cards into one of these organizations and they, uh, they review the corners, the edges, the centering and the surface of these cards, and they give you a grade for it. Um, 10 is usually, uh, the, the gem mint, uh, highest you can get. And the most, uh, adds the most value to your card. Uh, they also have, um, uh, Lower scores, uh, BGS, if you get a 9.5, uh, a lot of times a 9.5 on BGS will equate to a PSA 10. Um, but when you're trying to buy a, uh, uh, um, a Beckett 9.5 over a PSA 10, you can probably get it for a cheaper price. So it's kind of a, if, if you're sending your card to Beckett 
going for a 10 grade, that 10 grade is worth a lot more than, uh, than a PSA 10, but chances are you're not going to get a, uh, a Beckett 10. So it's probably a better idea to send to PSA or, or S, SGC. Um, Josh, you want to talk a little bit about your experience with trying to, uh, trying to get cards graded? Um, yep. Uh, I have about 50 cards at PSA right now over several different submissions. Um, they are with the current state, uh, you know, we're in, they, they're kind of running a skeleton crew. So they are way behind even before this, uh, situation. I, I had heard that they had like a million card backlog. Um, so they are, uh, way behind. Um, so, I would like to think I would have some of those cards back soon, but it could be six months, you know, before I see any of those cards again. Um, How long is it typically? There's different, you know, you can do like a two day turnaround. I I think the um, submissions I did were 45 day, um, but all of them are, are past 45 days at this point, And um, I don't anticipate seeing them anytime soon. Um, and, you know, the level of turnaround time, it's, you know, the price is different. Um, you, you really don't want to do one or two day, five day turnaround times unless it's like a, you know, a massive card, you know, thousands of dollar type card. Um, it's not worth it, um, at that point to, to, to send like low dollar cards because you're paying more to grade them than the card is worth. Um, right. How, how, how much does it cost? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I think the 45 day sub that I did, um, you know, it ranges from like 12 to $20 a card. I think I can't, can't remember specifically. Um, but I think it, it, it goes up to several hundred dollars a card based on turnaround time and value of the card. You know, they'll, they'll charge you based on value as well. Um, Beckett was faster, um, for turnaround times, but, their, you know, skeleton crew as well. Um, so SGC is still open. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that is the reason why, you know, these, over these last couple of weeks are seeing, you know, more of that stuff on eBay or if it was even before uh, the situation going on that people were just tired of the time, you know, PSA and Beckett had their cards, you know, and they were, you know, trying another, another uh, company. Um, just to stay liquid with their inventory. Um, Cause really it's hard to be without cards for six months if you're trying to flip them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, do you have any experiences with, uh, with getting your cards credit? I've only sent one in myself. Um, it was a John Morant that I got in a lot off eBay earlier this year. And it's, it's been out my door since uh, the beginning of March, and I don't expect to see it for any time soon. I'm just hoping it's back for next season if he goes on a nice run. I will say that um, I prefer to uh, just buy them graded already off eBay if it's a fair price. Uh, the reason why is, one, you have to you have to get very familiar with what grading companies are looking for if you really want to pick ones offline, especially if picture quality isn't great. Um, but also like the liquidity of it, uh, just having it already graded and being able to put it up online is really good for beginning, uh, for beginning investors and collectors just so you don't have to worry about that added nuance and added complexities of, of 
really self-editing or self-grading the card before you send it out. That being said, uh, if you find something raw on eBay and it turns out to be a PSA 10, BGS 9.5, and so on and so forth, that can be a huge added you know, value to that card, regardless of what that player does after the fact. It's an immediate bump in price. I think it's always important to weigh the opportunity costs. Uh, early on, I almost sent in some Michael Porter Juniors to get graded, and their cards right now are going for, you know, you can get some good ones for under 10 bucks. So to pay 12 to $15 to get something graded that's only right now worth you know, seven or eight bucks, it would need to triple or quadruple before it makes sense. So um, grading can be very profitable, but it's something you'd want to kind of learn about. I myself um, don't have a lot of experience in it, and, and I'm already kind of, uh, you know, kicking myself for not keeping that John Morant in case I need it, um, considering he might be in the playoffs, might have a couple of good games, and I'm not going to have that card to, to flip if I wanted to. Yeah, and and one thing that I've that I've kind of noticed are the recent cards, if you're looking up recent cards on, on eBay, there's very hard to find a, a graded version of that card. And in, in general, like I've, I've found with uh, National Treasures, uh, Panini brand, that those, those are pretty hard to find in, uh, you know, PSA grades too. And I'm, I'm guessing that's because they're scarcer cards. So the added scarcity of a grade, on a card that's only has like a 99 card set or a 25 card set, it doesn't really, uh, really make sense to get something like that graded and take the, take the risk of, of getting like an eight grade or something on a card, uh, that's selling for a decent price raw. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I also know that I think the national treasures have a little bit thicker of a stock and some of those corners, can get uh, a little bit beat up the thicker the, the card stock gets. I know I've had problems with, um, I've seen some problems with some of the other thicker card stocks. So that might be some of it. Um, a, a good resource is to go to PSA's website and they have population reports and you can get a feel for how, you know, hard or easy something grades. For instance, um, you know, I think over 70% of Luca's rookies last year for Prism were PSA 10s, which means it's a pretty easy card to grade versus something like a, a Ben Simmons Prism, which was 50-50. So obviously the, the printing technologies have gotten so good and consistent that um, it's easier to get yours centered and graded as a 10. So, um, yeah, you know, I think a good thing to do would be to go out and look at the National Treasures PSA populations and see maybe – over 50% of them are getting a nine or lower. And if that's the case, yeah, with the current state of the market, why slap a nine or an eight on your card when it's selling for thousands raw? I think that's a, a great call out. Yeah. And if, if the, uh, if the prism silvers are getting frequent tens, then that makes a lot more sense for looking at raw prisms on, uh, on eBay and, and, you know, paying, paying less and taking that, uh, that gamble that it might be a 10. I mean, you can, a lot of times you can look at a card and see the pictures of it on on eBay and be like, oh, that's not centered. But you can tell you can tell if it's if it's centered or not. Um, they have they have the dots on the border. I don't know if you guys uh, have ever tried like looking at the dots on the border to judge uh, the centering based on that. Um, but but a lot of times you know like you can you can you can tell right off the bat that the centering just just isn't there. Yeah, centering on the NBA Prism cards uh, this year um, has been pretty rough. Um, I've pulled a lot of cards that just aren't even close. Um, 
And unfortunately, some of those have been some pretty big cards that, you know, right out of the pack, it's, you know, it's nice to hit them, but then it's also disappointing because, you know, like you probably wouldn't even get a PSA nine right out of the pack yeah. um, because yeah. the centering is so bad. But And, and that um, kind of adds, that adds to the risk of, of buying a pack versus just, you know, spending a bunch of money on, on trying to open boxes and, and break packs to get the card you want versus just buying it straight up. Yes, especially this year. If, uh, you know, if you're, if you were able to get NBA products at retail price, mm-hmm. then, you know, you're going to make money selling it for sure. And you have a good chance of making money just opening it, uh, ripping it because so much of it has, you know, gone up in price. If you're buying stuff at current market value, five or six X retail, you're going to have to hit a big card. You're going to have to hit a Zion or a Jaw or LeBron silver to, you know, hopefully make your money back. Um, yeah. So that's part of the gamble. Right. Right. So, uh, Josh, you recently got some, uh, some graded cards back. Do you want to, do you want to show those off a little bit and see what they look like? Um, I have, I, I sent some cards to SGC. I haven't got them back yet. Oh, okay. Do, do you, but you don't have any, uh, on you? Um, or was that you, Brandon? I, I do have a couple of, uh, PSAs here that I could, uh, grab real quick. Yeah, I do have a PSA. I've got a, yeah, I've got a couple I could show you. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you hold that up to the, the camera? Do you have a, do you have any tens or are they? Um, yep, I got two tens. Um, first one is a, Kevin Herter, Trey Young, rookie patch card, um, PSA 10. Um, I've been collecting Kevin Herter. He's a local kid. He grew up, his high school is about 40 minutes from me, so I've watched him since high school. Um, so once I got back into the hobby, um, you know, I've just been buying his stuff. He's a pretty cheap investment um, that I think has some potential, but also he's a local kid, so I just yeah. like having his stuff. And I got this guy, this is a Beckett card, this is a 9-5. Um, sorry about the glare, but that's a Tiger, Tiger rookie card. Um, picked that up recently, like, I think I got it for like 20 bucks on eBay. So. Very cool. Yeah. Thought it was a pretty good deal. Nice. Brendan, what did you have? Oh, I just have a couple of Markel faults. I, um, I sent a bunch in, or I, I kind of flipped a lot earlier in the basketball season to kind of retool uh, the guys I was looking at. So let me grab a couple of those here. Sure. Now, Josh, those ones that you got back, um, how long did those, did those take? So these three graded cards are, are ones that I actually just bought at eBay. Um, okay. So I haven't gotten any of the, I, any of that I've subbed to PSA. I haven't come back. Um, the SGC order, was the first time I've subbed any myself. Yeah. Um, and I did that last week. I did 10 day turnaround time. So, um, yeah. I've got confirmation that SGC has my cards. Um, so hopefully by end of next week, uh, early the following week, I should have them. Nice. Go ahead, Brendan. Yeah. So here's a, um, if you can, if it's, it's looking good for you guys, but, uh, yeah. that's just a base PSA 10. Um, for Markel Fultz. Uh, and that was one of the ones where I could have bought it raw for, for probably cheaper. 
then I got the PSA 10. I mean, when you, when you factor all things, but, um, you know, when you think about the hassle of paying for the grading yourself and waiting for it, sometimes paying a few extra dollars for having it already graded, especially yeah. considering it might not come back a 10. Sometimes you pay the premium, especially if it's a long-term hold, which for me, I think, you know, Markel Fultz, giving how much his career had been beaten down so far, he's probably going to appreciate uh, at some point. Um, and then here's an optic rated rookie gold. So this is numbered to 10. Um, this was the first big purchase I made and I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I got a great price on it or not, but, um, it is a good one to keep just to remind me of, of the lessons learned early on in my investing <laughs> career. And, and, uh, I did comp it when I bought it. So if he does turn out to be anything worthwhile, I will make a profit off that one. But, uh, you know, when you pull the trigger on something that's, that's, um, you know, a pretty sizable investment, depending on what you're used to. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of the same fun of playing a, a Millie maker in DFS, right? I mean, right. you might throw, you know, 10 entries into the Millie maker and, you know, it's, it's quite the thrill, but this one at least lasts longer than a, a weekend or in my case, the first player I roster. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah, that's a couple I have. I have a couple more. Um, but those are, uh, those are some ones I have on the hand. Awesome. So, um, this is the week of the NFL draft. Uh, we have the draft starting today, actually. Uh, it's Thursday. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, cards, uh, card sets have, have had, uh, college, college players in them. And, uh, I think, I think, uh, National Treasures or, or there's some Panini set that came out recently that featured, uh, collegiate players. What's, what's the, uh, the benefit of, of buying college players ahead of the draft, if any? Brennan. Uh, so it's, it's the first card available. So that's the real benefit there, right? Everyone's going to be tuning in for the draft, especially now with everyone at home. We've seen it with the last dance documentary. Um, so having the first card available for those players is, is something that's going to be, um, you know, valuable to a lot of collectors and you'll probably see a lot of activity, uh, with their college, uh, jersey cards early on until those real NFL sets come out. And depending on how long those might or might not be delayed, um, the window might be bigger this year. That being said, um, and I ran into this in the college season, um, if you, if you hold on to those cards too long, you'll see their values go down because, um, you know, once the, once the professional jerseys are available, those are the cards everybody's going to want. So the demand for those college cards are, are going to go down. That being said, they have quite, um, the market early on, especially while the other sets aren't available. Um, so I think as long as you're, you know, you're price sensitive, what you're getting and you focus on the key players. I mean, we've seen even recently John Morant and Zion's college cards even appreciate in value. Um, despite not being in the professional uniform. Um, you just have to be a little bit more careful with the college uniforms because they do lose their shine once you get those professional uniforms on cards uh, later in the year. Yeah, and college cards seem like the perfect cards to flip. You buy them, you know, like when the rookies are being are hot and being talked about, and then you sell them before the uh, the NFL RPAs come out, huh? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I think that for, for the college uniforms, it's a short to, to intermediate flipping opportunity or for people who like that team, it's a good collecting opportunity. If you're trying to make, um, you know, a long-term investment or, or a substantial one, it's probably better to wait for the, the professional uniforms to come out. That being said, 
tuning into the draft, um, you know, obviously there'll be storylines that bump guys, uh, that bump guys, uh, prices up. But if, you know, from my perspective, the way I like, I like to invest, I'm going to look at the draft. And once I know what teams guys are going to, I'm going to try to find the guys that might have an opportunity in their first year. Um, I think it's the guy from Oakland, Josh Jacobs, uh, came in and had a big year. And if you knew that he had, didn't have much in front of him in terms of competition at the running back position, that, that could have been a good guy to target early on. And so, you know, as the draft plays out, if you start to jot notes, jot down notes about whether or not guys are going to get opportunities or not, you might be able to come up with a nice list of guys to target early on, whether it be in their college uniform or in their professionals when they're available. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, Josh, have you uh, have you done much investing into collegiate players? Um, a little bit. I bought, you know, some of the Prism NBA draft cards before the actual Prism came out, but you know, not a lot. Um, like Brennan was saying, it's you know, most of that stuff is gonna go down in value as soon as you know there's a card with their NBA jersey on it. Um, yeah. So if you really if you don't hit some like really nice card or low numbered serial number card. Um, you're bet you're better off flipping before, before the NBA uniform cards come out. Yeah. So, uh, going back to NFL, um, recently we've had, uh, some pretty significant trades and pretty significant movements in the, uh, uh, NFL trade market. And one of those was, last night where Rob Gronkowski was uh, just traded to Tampa Bay to reunite with Tom Brady. And when you have a big news story like that, it tends to spike the prices uh, of these, of these players cards. I'm going to do a screen share here and show you guys using the sports card investor um, tools an illustration of, of how something like that, Works out. We've got the Rob Gronkowski, uh, charts called up here. And you can see right here, the last couple of days, the price has just gone through the roof. And this is, uh, Rob Gronkowski's, uh, these are charts of Rob Gronkowski's rookie cards. One's the, uh, Topps Chrome Football 2010, uh, base PSA 10 and Rob Gronkowski, uh, Topps Football, uh, base PSA 10. So to me, these scream sell your cards and buy it back later in the season. Um, what, what do you guys, uh, how do you guys handle situations like this where, where guys' cards just go through the roof off of, uh, news stories that, you know, really might not affect their performance that much and, and drive their card value much higher? So from my, from my perspective, um, that's where your knowledge of the sport and kind of where you want to invest in things that you know comes into play. Because um, if you think, you've, if you look at this and think that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski aren't going to, to have a lot of success this year, this is a perfect selling opportunity because this might be the most meaningful and, um, you know, impactful news that you get this year. Now, if you were to think they're going to have a resurgence, then you might want to hold I certainly don't think this is the time to buy at all. Um, when it spikes up this much, you'd probably want to see the market level out a little bit. But this is where if you're holding a Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski card, you really want to address, you know, assess your situation. And if it's at a price that you like that you want to sell, 
um, there's a good chance you'll be able to get it back for a much lower price after a spike like this. Um, very much like in the stock market, there's volatility all over the place. And in fact, the, the sports card industry uh, and the market is, is quite a bit more volatile. It's very volatile. So yeah, I think that, you know, it'd be a great time to sell unless you're sold on, on this working out for them. And if you are, you either hold or, um, you know, you kind of hedge your bets and sell a little bit and keep some. But, um, you know, in my opinion, this is where you really got to do the research and see, you know, do I think the current price for this player represents where they should be? Now, a guy like Tom Brady, you know, he's had a great career already, so his, his cards aren't going to go to zero no matter what. Um, but if you think this is a little bit too high, um, then, yeah, you can sell and then buy again later as this all kind of plays out and they're out of the playoff race or whatever you think might happen. Yeah, Josh, how do you uh, how how do you uh, handle these situations? Like one one of the the uh, just throwing real quick, one of the beautiful things about this this market mover uh, tool is that it illustrates perfectly the price action of these cards. Like you don't you don't get this anywhere else where you can you can see the just the the crazy spike that it's had and uh, and kind of judge based on that whether it's a whether it's time to buy or time to time to hold or time to uh you know just wait for the price to come down to me this this just screams if i had the card i'd sell it and then just buy it back um later in the season anticipating him not to perform as expected yeah i would agree with uh, both of you guys uh definitely a time to sell or hold uh especially for a position player um, you know, what I've learned in my short time back in the hobby is just like the real NFL quarterbacks are, you know, your franchise quarterbacks are the cards you want for, for NFL. Um, even superstar position players don't seem to hold value, uh, not necessarily hold value, but, you know, provide a, a good flipping opportunity, you know, long term. Um, so I would, I would definitely sell ground cards if, if you had them. Yeah. And and you can see, you can see that in this chart. It was going for, you know, like a Rob Gronkowski, like the best tight end in the history of the NFL. His rookie card was going for, you know, pretty much a hundred bucks in the beginning of February. And it took, you know, like a, a trade, a trade story for it to increase to $300. Now, Rob Gronkowski, rookie for a hundred dollars. That's a PSA ten. That kind of shows you, well, NFL, at least base cards or or non-special cards probably aren't that great an investment unless, like you said, it's a it's a quarterback. Quarterbacks seem to be the positions that uh, have the most uh, the most value in NFL. Let's see. So I'm going to call up now. Um, going back to that Tampa Bay, uh, the Tampa Bay action recently. Uh, Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. The beneficiaries of that trade to me seem to be Chris Godwin. Uh, he's more like an Edelman type. He, he has shorter routes. Um, he's more. Is, is, he's got great hands. Uh, you know, he's he's a great player. Um, and you put a, a competent quarterback with him like Tom Brady, somebody who's 
who's not slinging it to to Mike Evans every other uh, pass, who's who's targeting the guy underneath, um, the reliable guy, a guy like Chris Godwin. I think Godwin could benefit the most from a Tom Brady car, uh, Tom Brady trade. So, armed with the knowledge that the base cards probably aren't a great investment for a position like a wide receiver. Um, one of the cards that I was uh, that I was looking at to potentially target buying with this Tom Brady uh, trade is is Chris Godwin's National Treasures uh, rookie patch card, and I noticed recently it was going for about two hundred dollars or so. You can see the the prices fluctuated a little bit recently. A few months ago, it was you could probably get it for like. Um, you know, fit under a hundred bucks, fifty to seventy-five dollars before the before the trade happened, and you can see the the price has steadily increased. It's going for about two hundred right now, but the National Treasures cards are great looking cards. They're thick. They have a piece of authentic jersey in there. They got the autograph. The graphics on them are great. Let's see. Let me call up a image of a bigger image of this card here. They're just a they're just a really nice looking card, and if you can get a card like this for a guy who has the potential to have a career changing season for under two hundred dollars, I just think that that's a really good deal, and I think the potential to make you know like a fifty percent return on it is 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 pretty good if if you're just looking to uh to flip it relatively quick but i think in the long run um this card could be worth significantly more what kind of approach do you guys take to uh to situations like this when you're looking for a guy who hasn't quite broken out yet he's 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 had some good seasons but he hasn't had that monster uh season yet and he's still a little bit under the under the radar with the general public, uh, who are more familiar with guys like uh, DeAndre Hopkins or uh, guys like that. What what I would typically do with a situation like this is I would kind of um, I, I'd kind of evaluate you. Know, I'd look at the stats, um, and like you did, I would look at his current situation and, and what could be ahead for him, and then I'd. I'd almost try to compare it to a couple of other players that I know might be in a similar situation as Chris Godwin, either in, a, in the future of his career or currently. And I would check to see what his price is relative to theirs. Um, you know, I don't spend a lot of time in the basket or the football market, but in, in someone like, you know, in a situation like basketball, it's very easy to compare guys like Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, Jason Tatum, because they're all in the same draft class. They're all kind of in a, a similar um, roles for their teams. And so you look at all their prices and see, is he, you know, fairly priced to the players that are similar or is he overpriced? If he's underpriced, it's a great opportunity because someone like Tom Brady who might get him the ball a little bit more accurately than someone like Jameis Winston could, um, you know, catch him up to those people. So I, you know, I think I'd evaluate the market for a guy like Chris Godwin. Um, I, I'd look to see if his current value relative to players like him, um, other wide receivers would be good to, to look at. And then um, I think you always have to have a either a target price or a 
time frame in mind for your investment. So if you think this might be a short term investment, go into it knowing that. If you if you're comfortable, let's say that in two years Tom Brady retires and he's with a new quarterback, if you think Chris Godwin's good enough to even in, increase his value after Tom Brady is gone, then it might be a long term investment. So I really think you have to look at the time frame you're looking at um, and, and his price relative to similar players. And if you like that situation, um, it's absolutely a chance to buy. And the other thing with a wide receiver is there's less demand than the quarterbacks. And so getting a really high demand card like National Treasures is much more important than for a quarterback where you can kind of dig into the secondary cards, the lower end cards, because that demand is going to be there uh, at that price range for sure. Yeah, and, and again, with these National Treasures cards, uh, they have very low populations for these cards. If you can see in this top left uh, left-hand corner of the card, you see the serial number. This is 56 out of 99. So there's only 99 of these cards in existence, which really adds to the, uh, adds to the value of them. And on top of just being a really nice looking card and, uh, you know, the potential of the, uh, the player to have breakout season on top of it. Uh, on, on card auto too, um, which is nice. Yeah. Um, a lot of cards are, um, you know, the player just signed a sheet of stickers. And uh, yeah. Panini slaps a sticker on a card, um, yeah. so it's nice when it's actually on card. Yeah, that's a, that's an important point too. The uh, the on card autographs are are typically uh, valued more than the uh, the the sticker cards that uh, uh, that Josh is talking about there. As is as is, I'll, I'll just say multi color patches as well. So when you have two or three color patches, uh, those will carry a heavier. Um, a heavier premium than a similar patch that's just one color. So um, yeah. you'll see a lot of times on eBay, if you're trying to sell something, it, it's nice to put that in there so that people only search for two or three color patches. You show up for them because uh, those are in more demand than those single patch color patches you see. Yeah, for sure. And and they'll even have cards like this with the piece of the uniform with the Nike swoosh on it or the the team logo on it. And those will have a, you know, like a smaller population and be more scarce cards. Those will typically sell for more. So if you see, uh, a card that looks like the card that you want, double check the patch to make sure it's the, uh, the patch that you want and double check the population to make sure it's the, it's the, uh, correct population that you're looking for. Yeah. They will also do, you know, patches with just one letter of the, you know, name of the player. Um, you know, I've seen videos on YouTube where guys have collected, you know, every card with every letter of the last name, um, yeah. uh, for that particular card run. Um, but those, you know, definitely a premium for those, for those type of cards too. Very cool. Um, so Josh, we were talking earlier about, uh, the mosaic, the NBA mosaic. We're going to take a look right now at some of the, uh, the sets that are being released pretty soon. We're looking at, uh, Beckett here. <clears throat> and uh, there's a lot of baseball sets that are going to be released this week. Are there any that stick out to you guys as something to uh, to try to target? Uh, from from my perspective, I don't see anything this week, which is what we're scrolling through now, that um, is something I would go after. It is worth mentioning that Bowman's full set for baseball has been pushed, I believe, till sometime in, in mid-May. Um, it was supposed to release about a week ago, I think. So if you're into baseball and you do want to take a shot at that Bowman's first edition, 
it's going to get a longer run than normal as the card to be out. That being said, I looked at that checklist earlier and it looks like all prospects. So um, I didn't recognize any of the names. So if you're into prospect collecting, that Bowman's first edition might be worth looking at. Um, but I think what people are really waiting on are, is the the basketball stuff that's coming out here soon. Um, we mentioned Mosaic. Uh, I believe Spectra's coming out soon. And then National Treasures is, uh, I think, in, in May, like the second week of May. And that's going to be a big release as well. So um, there's a lot of stuff coming out, but I think everyone's really just hoping to get sports back. And I think any car that's out on the market, <laughs> at least for a short time, might get a heavy demand because uh, of all the pent-up uh, demand for these things. Yeah, on that uh, National uh, Treasure set uh, that's coming out, when you're trying to buy a more expensive box like that on Panini, how long do they last before they're completely sold out? I don't know if you guys have experienced it, but uh, yeah, I, I haven't purchased yeah. directly off Panini's site. Um, right, but I know they go pretty fast. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there was an NFL set uh, recently. Um, you could get a box for it, it was an expensive box. It was over like uh, twelve fifty, I think, and that one actually had a little bit uh, a little bit longer of a shelf life before it was completely sold out. But I don't think you know, the brand wasn't as strong as national treasure. So I don't think that a national treasures NBA set is going to last very long. If you're, if you're looking to, uh, to buy it, you might want to, uh, get on Panini's mail list and, and find out exactly when it's going to go on sale. So you have an opportunity to actually jump in, uh, to the site and, and order it before it, uh, before it's gone. Yeah, and it also depends on how they're doing it. So I, I know that I don't know, Josh, if you have experience with the Dutch auctions. I certainly don't, but um, Panini has done different types of releases with with each of their brands. And so I believe the way a Dutch auction works is a, the price starts really high, and there's a timer. And every so many increments, I don't know if it's 15 minutes or five minutes, the price will go down. And and the gamble there is, you know, is this the right price or should I wait for the next level? Because if you wait too long, it's gone. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's a certain type of way. That's It's almost like a fantasy game if you think about it. Um, I don't know if you either you guys have direct experience with that. But from what I know, it's uh, it's it's fun and exhilarating, but it's probably not so great if you see it go for a couple hundred lower than you <laughs> hit the trigger on for sure. Yeah, Cam, uh, Cam uh, Roto-Grinders founder, uh, one of the founders of Roto-Grinders, Cam and I were trying to do a Dutch auction a couple weeks ago on a, I think it was a, I think it was an NFL set. They start the price pretty high. They started at like 800 bucks and, and the low point was 250. So I was hoping to get it in the 300 somewhere. You know, I, I felt like that was a, a reasonable uh, premium over the low price to, uh, uh, to buy it. And, I think it was sold out when it hit mid 400s. So I didn't even get a chance to uh, to put it in my cart before it was gone. But uh yeah, I mean those those auctions are pretty fun too. It it takes a lot of time though. You got to have it up on a uh you know, like a window while you're working or whatever and just kind of have it on in the background because it's it's I think it's 2 minutes before every incremental decrease in price and the 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 increments are very small. So it starts at like 800 and then it's going down like 20 bucks or something like that. So it's a very, uh, a very slow process. But if you have an idea of where you think it will sell out, you know, obviously 
a lot of times it's not going to last until that, that bottom price on a popular set. So you want to try to figure out what kind of premium you want to pay. But also, you know, like you got to remember too, if you're paying a premium on these cards and you get it before it sells out, you can, chances are you can sell it on eBay for a decent, uh, a decent return. So if you want to buy multiple boxes and try to, uh, to recoup some of the, some of the money that you're spending, um, trying to, trying to score that box, you know, it makes sense to buy multiple boxes. Let's see. But yeah, so, um, so NBA, uh, mosaic is the one that we're, uh, that we're keeping an eye out for right now. Um, yep. when it hits retail, uh, shelves, Josh, when they, uh, when they debuted that, did that debut on the Panini site or, or how did that work? Um, I don't think you could buy it on Panini site. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know if there's even a hobby version of it. It might just be retail, uh, but I could yeah. be wrong on that. Um, then I think there's also one other retail release later in the summer, um, NBA Chronicles. Um, that if it's like last year's Chronicles, that's, um, going to be a lot of, uh, you know, rookie card variations. There's not a lot of uh, veteran players in the, in the Chronicles set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so that, I think we've covered a lot of ground today. Um, Brendan, did you have any, uh, final thoughts that you'd like to add? No, no, I think we covered, um, we did, we did cover a lot of ground. I, you know, I'll say that, um, really the, the most important thing when starting out is, is learning, um, just learning eBay and learning how to value cards. Obviously, if you have access to that market movers tool, it's the best, you know, product out there for, for valuing cards. Um, if you, if you're not pulling the trigger on that just yet, you know, obviously you can go into eBay and look at completed sales. I will, you know, I'll say this, um, again, I think we've covered it before, but, um, be careful looking at, uh, sold and completed, uh, buy it nows because it won't tell you what the offer was if there was a best offer. So really the best way to get a value on a card, if you're looking in the eBay tool is to, uh, is to look at auctions only if there's enough, um, if there's enough examples and enough volume there. Um, that being said, um, you know, the market mover, you're not going to get a, a graph like in market movers. You're going to have to scroll through each listing that sold and completed and just kind of keep a running tally of what you think that card's worth. Um, but that's really the best way to do it and just learn how to search. That's, um, that took me a lot of time to really get the searches down to where I was getting enough results, but, um, not over flooding the feed that I couldn't get to everyone to see if I liked the price. Just, just to add to that, um, also with the sports card investor, uh, website, they have a sales lookup where you can enter the card that you're looking for and they actually have the, uh, the offer accepted prices, uh, on that list. So they'll have the, um, uh, the, the selling price, the, the price that, uh, the person was looking for it, but then they'll also have the offer accepted. So you can get that information on the uh, sports card investor uh, market movers. And the, again, the, um, the deal that we have with uh, sports card investor, you can't really beat it. It's 20% off your first payment for all plans. And uh, you use the promo code grinders to get that. So make sure you head over there. Uh, it's a great resource for 
pricing out your cards is a great resource for finding um, sales history and uh, and getting those charts. All all of which are going to help you out huge when you're when you're trying to figure out which cards to invest in and how much to pay for them. Josh, did you have anything to add? Um, just uh, com- comparing it to DFS. You know, you have a bankroll in DFS. Um, y- you should have a bankroll for, you know, sports cards. Don't, you know, overextend yourself. Um, there's many different levels that you can enter the hobby. You know, I'm on the lower end. I'm, I'll buy lots of dollar cards that, you know, I could potentially, you know, grade and flip. Um, you know, the most expensive card I bought since I've been back into collecting was like a Giannis rookie. It was like $120. Um, you know, that fits what I can do right now. You can buy $10,000 Giannis cards, um, you know, if you have the ability to do that. So, um, yeah, there's many, like I said, there's many different ways that you can enjoy the hobby. And there's my son. I'm almost done. <laughs> oh, my daughter. Go. I'm almost done. Go. Sorry about that. Um, uh, yeah, so it, it can be enjoy, an enjoyable hobby for, you know, all levels. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Like any, any, uh, any price point you can get cards at these days. So, uh, it's definitely, uh, a hobby for, for everybody. And eBay, it's so easy to buy. You know, just make sure you're armed with the, uh, the price points that you want to buy at. And you can do that again through the, uh, the sports card investor website. So thanks for joining us, uh, guys. Um, appreciate everybody. And uh, thanks for uh, watching. Give us a like and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. We got another one coming next week. And uh, check out all our content that we've put out on rotogrinders.com. There's a sports card uh, tab at the top, and you can see all the articles and all the, uh, the videos that we've put up recently. Thanks again, and uh, take care. 